Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. I, I think you've got to keep bullying dictators like Vladimir Putin guessing. Uh, and, and the fact is uh, that uh, weakness arouses evil. And, and, I, and I, I look, Vladimir Putin is to blame for the violence that's taking place in the Russian invasion today. No one else is to blame. But I have no doubt in my mind that the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, the, the capitulation uh, to Putin, whether it be on, on Nord Stream 2 early in this administration, re-entering the intermediate nuclear treaty that we had gotten out of because Russia was breaking it left and right. All these actions, I think, uh, I think unquestionably embolden Vladimir Putin. That's why I say uh, Putin only understands strength, and we need to meet this moment. So you, you think uh, by- that's a Vice President Mike Pence, who was very much built for moments uh, like this. A, a Cold War showdown dealing with the Russian uh, aggressor. This is a guy who studied Reagan his whole life. This, this is uh, the moment. Meanwhile, uh, President Biden is uh, getting ready for a trip uh, to Europe. He'll be there for NATO meetings. He is going to visit Poland while he's there. uh, The Ukrainian President Zelensky wants him to visit Kiev if he's not afraid. That's a non-starter and a silly thing for the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky, to say. He's doing great in rallying his own people to the fight. He's not doing as great on the world stage as some people want to give him credit for. Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today it is so good to be with you. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now. Retired United States Army West Point graduate, military analyst. Uh, And what we're getting over the weekend is that the city of Maripol, which is there to the south and east on the Sea of Azov, has basically been destroyed. It's, It's been, as in their words, wiped off the map. And once again, we see that the Russian military is incompetent, but even an incompetent military with a lot of artillery can do a tremendous amount of damage. What's the story there in Maripol, uh, Major? And then what is going on uh, in, in the other cities that Putin seems desperate to take to engage the further siege of, of Ukraine? Well, well, first, in, in Maripol, there's no question that he continues to destroy and raise it. But there's a famous quote from uh, a book called This Kind of War by T.R. Fehrenbach that says, you could fly over a land, you could pulverize it, you can atomize it, you can do everything you can to try to chase people out of it. But unless you're willing to put people on the ground, uh, like the Roman legions did, you can't hold it. And, and that's what's happening. I didn't believe that um, Vladimir Putin wanted to destroy Ukraine in order to try to take it. But that's what he's going to try to do. And he's going to violate a very um, sincere principle of war and combat that says in history that shows that he's not going to be successful because he still doesn't own it. He still cannot get the maneuver troops in it uh, that like there, like Kiev, like Kharkiv, like even uh, other places in the, we- in, in, the, in the east as well as the north. So um, they're going into hasty defense. It's a, purely a, a stalemate that's taking place on the ground. It is nothing short of a miracle that that's the situation based on the fact that Russia is not even close to being a peer with Ukraine and the military. But but again, the bottom line is um, the will to win by the Ukraine military is just more than anything right now that the Russians can muster to try to defend and fight back. Because their military, and, and it's a twofold, A, they weren't actually told they were engaging a war. And it really does seem that this is a military that has 
less than no training. You know, uh, the, the argument would be all the training goes out the window when the first bullet is fired at you. But that's when you know if you've got a military or not that they can still keep advancing. It very much seems that the Russian military has zero training. So the question before us is, is that the case? And, and if it's not the case, what are we looking at versus what other forces are waiting in the wings? Well, I, I think what will be written about this conflict is the impact that NATO armies and military training has had on the Ukraine military in the last six or seven years since Crimea was taken by Russia. And we've poured more people and equipment and training into the Ukraine military and pivoted it away from the former Soviet-type military, which was top-heavy in officers, uh, poor non-commissioned officers, conscripts, volunteers, and the like. Uh, and they now have a different kind of military. They have a Western type of military of volunteers with better equipment and better confident in their leadership and capability. And, and you kind of stack all those together. And that's why you're seeing the Russians being defeated. You know, the Russians thought they could just bring mass and, and size and volume to the table and, and continue to have success in, in, the, in the, the strategic weapons. But here it is four weeks into the fight, and they still the, air, the airspace is still contested. That's just unheard of. We wouldn't even fight this until the airspace was locked down and we had air superiority. So, again, top to bottom, yeah, I think um, the, the NATO forces and the U.S. military in particular, the Green Berets, are very proud right now knowing that they've trained an army in a very short period. They absorbed every single piece of that training, and they're putting it to good use every day right now in Ukraine. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army military analyst. So now you get we get back into the mind of Putin. We play this once again. We, we clearly accept that this is a Russian military that is not trained, very much does not seem capable, still has the artillery to destroy uh, parts of Ukraine, but as you're saying, can't actually hold the land. So this now brings in more desperate measures from Vladimir Putin. And that's been the conversation. Of course, it's been the conversation of peace talks between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, the, the, the Turks keep saying that there, there's something on the table. We, we could see uh, some movements on this. Zelensky went to Israel to beg for help and invoke the Holocaust. And I don't think that went over very well, just like invoking September 11th and Pearl Harbor did not necessarily go over well here, although the rest of his speech uh, seemed far more effective in the United States to come Congress than it did to the Knesset. Um, but the, the, the question be, before us is, what is Vladimir Putin's next step? And if he doesn't feel he can control things on the ground and he needs to send a message to get Ukraine to capitulate, exactly how far right now do we believe he's willing to go? Well, I don't even know what that looks like anymore because I think Ukraine has some negotiating power and um, if uh, Zelensky decides to leave the country or so, that, that's fine. But the guerrilla war is on and it's going to continue for years. I mean, and I think that the, the general staff of the Ukraine military is telling that to its civilians. There, there's going to be a tremendous amount of pain and, and there's going to still be a lot of destruction, but um, they're not going to win a guerrilla war uh, in, inside of Ukraine. And, and the sooner he recognizes that. So, you know, the off ramps, all those things are gone now. And, um, you know, the, the question is, what what exactly is he going to want? And let's say he tries to keep Mariupol and some of those the, the, the land into the south that gives him that actual land bridge from Russia to Crimea might be what it is. They might carve off a Russian Federation out of that. They might carve off some to the east, uh, to the to the east of even um, Kyiv. The question is, though, Kiev itself won't fall. Kiev won't fall. It'll, it'll remain 
uh, well intact. Uh, it'll be too hard for the Russians to try to take that. It'll be too hard for the Russians to try to destroy it. I think the Ukraine uh, military will do a good job of, of taking the artillery out. Uh, that's been doing a, most of the damage. Um, and, and Russia becomes a pride. Their economy is destroyed. The, the Russia, the country is going to continue to take a step back. And I think that, uh, you know, that's going to hurt him for many years to come. He's not going to He's gonna have a problem being the leader when this is all over. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's fight. You and me, we're going to it, Major. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. We're now in the place where all of a sudden Vladimir Putin risks losing his position because that was never on the table. There was no one there to replace him. And uh, the question I get asked more than any other is why is it that nobody's taken him out as Senator Lindsey Graham wanted to do? And the answer is because fear is a real thing of Vladimir Putin and nobody wants the gig seemingly. Now all of a sudden, sir, we're talking about the fact that the, the Russian people are going to turn on him, he won't have a job, and doesn't the guy backed into the corner do other crazy things? Oh, I, yeah, no, yeah, I'm projecting a little bit further than that. I, the bottom line is Russia is going to become isolated. Their economy is going to stagnate, and there's going to be revolution. We're starting to see it take place already. Um, whether or not it happens sooner than later, you know, remains to be seen. But uh, the, it, the, that is likely what's going to happen. The question is, how much support does it get from China? How much does the support to get from India and the like? There's still, I, I did a count, there's still about 3 billion people on the Russian side, so he could possibly get his way out of it. But I think any, any kind of contact with the West is, is completely over. Um, but um, I think it's going to be difficult for him to rule the, the country as, as time, more time goes on. He had that opportunity a few weeks ago, if he decided to take an off-ramp then, but I think every day that goes by, I think it's going to be more difficult for him to rule the country. Let's head a little bit more east, and let's head to China and the CCP discussing the fact that sanctions are, are ridiculous. They're speaking out. There's a question of who they back and, and how uh, they're, they're backing. What militarily would you be looking at regarding movements of uh, the, the, the Chinese, uh, movements on their own border, movements on other borders, movements towards uh, Taiwan or movements towards helping Russia? What is it that we should be looking for and what would be a signal to the United States that it's time to speak up? Well, I think the same thing that uh, we would he's concerned about on our side, strategic weapons. But it's a long way from China to Russia to get that equipment there. And with our satellite technology, we see what's happening. We know that some ships have gone through the Russian ships have gone through the Suez Canal. Perhaps they're heading towards China. But but uh, the logistics trail is very long. And while it, the border is short between Ukraine and, and Russia, they just have not made the plans in order to resupply the level of artillery and trucks and fuel and food that they're going to need, which is why they're in that, that, that culmination point, and they've stopped moving, for all, and they're all on the defense right now. So I, I think we've got to be careful of bringing in SA-300s and these strategic weapons. I don't know how they cross the border. It's the same with the mix. I don't know how you get them across the border. I don't know how you hide them. I don't, I don't know how you refuel them. I don't know how you rearm them. And it, and it wouldn't really make a big difference. But those anti-aircraft defense platforms would make a difference. And, and the same thing goes. We still have to bring crews over. We have to arm them. Uh, they'd have to survive. There's radar that goes with them, fire direction centers. There's all this complexity to it that right now, that's not the war that's fighting. The war that's taking place inside Ukraine is a guerrilla war. And that's eight to ten squad-sized tactics with javelins and stingers picking off Russian tanks one at a time. The question is, going back to China, the question is, how are they going to get things through China, through Russia, through the border there? We'll know it and we'll see it coming and we just got to call them out on it if they do it. 
When you talk about this this guerrilla war, as, as I've been taking it in and listening to it, you know, you talk about the SA-300, you're talking about missile defense systems uh, uh, there, and I thought it was interesting. We, we heard we were sending S-300s and it, missile defense systems. Like, I don't even know how the, the United States or NATO has these, but because I thought there was were Russian missile defense systems, right? Yeah, they are, and they, they, they're in the former... Soviet countries, Romania, for example. Okay, Poland, these are Soviet these Africa. are the much older systems as opposed to the SU systems, which are the newer systems right. that, for example, Turkey purchased while they were helping us build the F-35 strike fighter. Right. The, they have the S-400s, much better. Uh, that's right. The S-300s are still 1960-70 technology. NATO called them the SA-14s. There's all different kind of different names for them. It, it, they, they all have different levels of complexity, but, 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 but the, while they're easily taken out is because they require radar systems that have an, a very high heat signature and electronic signature that becomes the target. So you don't have to take out the missiles themselves, but you take out the eyes to the missiles. And that's, that's the issue. The issue is the Russians would be able to. So I just want to make sure the, I was on the same page with the, systems. I yeah. want to make sure I was on the same page with the systems uh, that they had. And you talk about this as, as a guerrilla war. If, if I understand my bit of history uh, properly a guerrilla war becomes a war of attrition which side is willing to take the suffer the most amount of losses and which side has the most amount of losses that they can take so the ukrainians certainly have an advantage because anybody who can make some, make a molotov cocktail is involved in a, in a guerrilla war but the russians seem to have a lot of people they can just march down a field whether they like it or not to try and take a village if if they wanted to uh who wins a guerrilla war yeah, no, I think the Ukraine does. It's similar to what we saw in Vietnam. I mean, it, you're right. It is about attrition, and, and that's what Russia thinks that they can now win. <clears throat> but I think at some point they still they run out of resources as well. It's, it's all about the will to fight. They don't have the same level of will to fight. Now, the, the guerrilla numbers were never on the side of Russia to begin with. Um, if, you, if you do just back of the envelope, there's 20 million men potentially inside of Ukraine that are between the ages of 18 to 61. And, and you've got 50 to 100,000. That have come, that have come back. That's how that. That's how those weapon systems, by the way, are getting in. They're trickling in over the border on the backs of mercenaries and small and guys that are returning to Poland, then crossing the border, bringing a lot of that in. So it's coming in in, in small pieces as opposed to on on trucks along big roads. So so again, the, the the guerrilla numbers were never in the favor of the Russians. They needed to have won this in the first five days, and not winning it in the first five days shows you where they are right now, which is a, which is a stalemate. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army West Point graduate military analyst, uh, MAJ Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, MAJ Mike Lyons on Twitter. I appreciate you taking the time. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.